Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 61, the podcast for marketing managers who are either using HubSpot or are considering using HubSpot. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Founder. With me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really good and another scorcher in Sydney today. We're recording on Monday the 28th of November and boy, is summer on the way. It's just fantastic, isn't it? I know, it? I love it. I'm very envious you're wearing shorts and uh, for the last three weeks you have been and I wish I was wearing shorts too. Yep, nice and comfy here in the office. Anyway, on to our inbound thought of the week, Craig. And well, this two thoughts this week. Correct. And so we're going to look at highlights from Brian and Damesh's keynote. Yeah. All right. So with Brian's, I thought we'd just link out. We're not going to go into depth in this, but um, his keynote is available on content.inbound.com. So you can see the whole keynote from Brian and Damesh. But, you know, when they start, and you only have to watch the start of this to see their little kind of Lord of the Rings um, homage, shall yes. we say. Uh, when the, and it's actually, I think the word is homage. By the way, I think yes. we like to make it into homage <laughs> as if it's a bit more exotic. But I think it's homage. But we just don't say that. Anyway, correct me if I'm wrong. But he, they basically panned um, cold calling, and it was kind of cold calling's dead. The question I wanted to ask is: cold calling really dead, or have we just renamed it? Yeah, I think it's to, transformed to outbound marketing. Or <laughs> because tell me a company that doesn't actually do some form of cold calling. I'm going to call it cold calling because even though you might know a bit about the contact, the contact might not know about you. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. You've got to think about the whole process. And, you, you know, what's interesting is obviously if you do the sales training, you will. there's a lot of conversation in that sales training about how to talk to people, how to initiate the conversation, and that's exactly what's happening. That's right. And you've nailed it there because I think the, the point we're making – about this for marketing managers is that it's not that you shouldn't pick up the phone or sales shouldn't pick up the phone and be talking to prospects. It's the, the attitude that they go into when they pick up the phone. It's not about um, calling and blasting. It's really about calling and offering value yes. for a good fit. So I think that's really interesting. So one thing I wanted to also highlight is that we have to change the way we think about it. And I think you made a really good point about what would happen if someone called up? Like we've had quite a few people calling us up over the last couple of weeks offering their services and products and how do we treat them? Do we treat them with respect as another person or do we just go, ah, I'm over that, get off the phone, I don't want to talk to you? That's exactly right. We're going to talk about that in our Challenge of the Week section coming up. But, yeah, that whole point about you don't like getting calls that are totally unrelated to your interests. So, But if it is something that actually is a fit, then, yes, it does work. Yes, and our second inbound thought of the week, Craig, is going to be looking at Gary V's trip. So this is a video that from the Daily V, and it was really about his trip. And I was really in, in when I watched it, I was like, wow! It's like it kind of gave us all the precursor and postcursor to his keynote on the first day, and I really enjoyed watching it to just understand that journey that he took. And it wasn't it really interesting how I was telling you how he was actually at the back of the hall. Walking through, looking, feeling the atmosphere, he actually talked to a few people, had selfies with them, and I thought, wow, he really, he really kind of got into the whole thing and was really trying to understand who are the kind of people that are here before he even got up on stage. Yeah, it was excellent. And just to, sorry, just to go back a step, so we're talking about Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, who gave the opening keynote. Now, you mentioned the Daily V. What, for our listeners, is the Daily V? So that's his little show of his day-to-day, whatever he gets up to, and he's got someone following him around. And I've really enjoyed it. I think it used to be almost 
every few days, but I think I got an email and I think now he's doing one pretty much every day. So Right. So this is his YouTube channel Correct. primarily. Yes. Yeah. So you can go to YouTube, um, subscribe to his channel and get his daily updates. And we've got a link to the uh, the uh, one that talks about his uh, trip to inbound and just all the activities he got up to on the trip and then Correct. during <laughs> and then before going on stage. Fascinating. Yeah, very fascinating. So I'd encourage you to watch that and learn a few things. All right, and a final inbound thought. We'll just preempt. We've um, got some interviews coming up in the next yes. couple of weeks with some of the HubSpotters talking about e-commerce. So that'll be very interesting for listeners if you're running e-commerce stores. That's right. It'll be very interesting. I've, I've had a good chat with some of the guys from Revenue Conduit while I was away, and it was really fascinating how this is a whole other area that HubSpot's venturing into and what impact the marketing system's going to make on that world. So stay tuned. All right, onto our HubSpot feature and tip of the week, Craig. Now, we talked about lead flows a week or two ago, post-inbound. Yeah, well, we talked a little bit about HubSpot marketing free. Correct. Which is part of their uh, growth stack. Uh, so the marketing side and the sales side. Now, part of marketing free, which is really a rebadged lead-in, yes. as we discussed last episode, is they've got this piece called lead flows. Now, you can get this in lead-in and you can also get it if you use HubSpot, so you're a full marketing customer. And that's actually the piece I wanted to talk to you about today. So we discussed marketing free last week. This week, we're just talking about a part of it for actual existing paid HubSpot marketing customers. Correct. Now, what it is, it's actually a, a pop-up, I guess, in a sense. I, I prefer the slide-in option from the bottom right. And it's just a nice way of creating a form that then slides in on the page. Now, what's really nice about this, if you're using HubSpot, you can just enable it. I think you go in your integration into, settings. Is it integrations or yep. maybe it's product add-ons? Yep. I think you enable it. And then appears under your content menu uh, as lead flows, which is interesting. I actually think it's probably better under contacts because yes. when I think about lead flows, I think of forms. Correct. I think about HubSpot, when they think of lead flows, they think of CTAs. So that's why it's under content. So I get why they're doing that. But yeah. I think of it as forms. And it's really a form that slides in and someone fills it out. You can actually reference it like any other form. So you can create a smart list based on a form. You just look for your lead flow form submits, things like that. You can trigger workflows from it. Here's in their timeline. Now, I think it's really good. I was a bit harsh on on marketing free last week, but this piece, lead flows, I think is really good. And I would actually say to anyone that's got HubSpot, start implementing lead flows in addition to your normal CTAs. Yep. I actually spent the weekend going through a few of our customer sites, putting lead flows on all of the, their main pages. So one of the things I really like about these lead flows, these slide-ins, is you can target which pages they appear on. And so the approach that we're actually doing with customers now is we're actually specifically tailoring calls to action per page and per post as opposed to, say, per category kind yep. of thing. So we're getting very specific and targeted. We're creating individual lead flows for individual pages because that targeting is there. And I think that's the next step, that whole detailed uh, targeting of calls to action. So, Craig, give me a little example of of a lead flow that you created. We work with technology companies and so they have a number of uh, uh, ebook assets. And so what we're doing, say, if they sell, uh, they've got an intranet software piece, yeah. if they've got, some, they've got a, a blog post that's very uh, popular around collaboration, so we've actually targeted a lead flow just to talk to collaboration interests and promote an asset specifically targeted to that. 
as opposed to a general banner that appears at the bottom of, say, blog posts and things like that. So it talks to the message on the page and uh, promotes an asset. And so, yeah, and, well, I, it's early days yet. We've just put it on the weekend before he had, I, I think I had like four leads just come in yesterday on one of their pages on a weekend wow. for a business site. So it's, I mean, early signs are good. Yeah. Okay, so that's cool. Now, another tip we have is to make sure you exclude your IP address in HubSpot. So you go to the reporting settings and scroll to the bottom and you should be able to see. It'll tell you what your IP address and then just cut and paste that into the list. Yeah, quick reminder. And the reason I'd suggest that is because it affects your conversion rates. So if you've got your staff always on your site, it might make your conversion rates look lower. Um, So we always want a bit better accuracy there. Excellent tip. And you should be doing that with other things too. All right, on to our challenge of the week, Craig. Don't be rude to telemarketers. All right, so you you alluded to this earlier, and I'll just tell you a little bit of uh, an experience I had last week. I've been getting lots of calls from telemarketers about um, because I buy a lot buy a lot of domains, and some of them I buy publicly with GoDaddy. So they get out my contact details. They call me up and they want to sell me website development. I'm just like. This one come keep doing it. So anyway, I'm getting lots of these calls and it's driving me nuts, right? And I keep saying, "Don't call me, take me off your." And you know, fifteen minutes later, I get another call. It's like, what is going on? Anyway, so I've been getting grumpy. Yeah. On Friday, I got a call from. Uh, turns out, lovely. Girl. A legitimate person. Lovely girl. She goes, "Hi, yes, it's lovely from someone." So how are you going? And I was really rude to her because I thought, "Oh, it's another telemarketer." When I say really rude, it wasn't like I was, you know. I can't imagine you being rude. No, no, but I was, I was grumpy. I'll put it that way. Being grumpy and abrupt. Probably. Yeah, I was grumpy and abrupt. And then it turns out that she had actually called me because my wife had given her my number. <laughs> so she was actually doing me a favour calling me and I was, I was actually, I felt really bad after it. Anyway, that's all the preamble to say I learned a lesson there, which is don't be rude to telemarketers because it, they might not be telemarketers. Actually, exactly. It could be a legitimate call. Yep. But even if they're not, even if they are a telemarketer, they're real people, right? And I was thinking, because we're talking about, you know, this cold calling bit and where they go, I was thinking, I wonder what Brian Halligan would do. And I, I kind of think, like, if he gets a telemarketing call, would he be rude and grumpy or would he just be really pleasant because he's, like, a really nice guy? I actually reckon he'd be really gentle, probably firm. But, yes. But he would be really pleasant. Exactly. And so there you go. I think that's very true. And I think... I'll relate this back to my banking days. I remember the head of Macquarie Bank telling us, whatever you do, what would happen if you saw it on the front of the financial review tomorrow morning? Would it be in good taste or would it be in bad taste? Uh, I think the same applies here for this scenario. So there you go. That's our challenge of the week, to live as though every interaction will be broadcast for the world to see. There you go. And when you live in the online world, it possibly is. That's right. (laughs) All right, on to our stat of the week, and this is from Google Data from May this year. Uh, and it said nearly four times the global search interest is like it, there was a four times increase in global search interest for virtual reality over the last year, which is massive. That's a massive increase. So what's your thoughts, Ian, on virtual reality and where it's going? I think there's massive potential, Craig. And I think as marketers... We're going to have to think about how we can use it. Like I think we do a lot of stuff in the property field and mm. I think if I think about property, there's probably massive areas that you can use virtual reality in. And even I think automotive, for example, there is another another example. 
And that's what people are after. They want to have that experience before even getting out. And I stumbled across something the other day. I think somebody who successfully started selling properties purely using Snapchat. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and people not even actually, I think, getting into the property. So, I mean, I don't know. That could be fraught with danger. But, you know, people are going to try things. They're going to push the envelope. And I think that, you know, with time to come, that's what's going to happen. Like I often look at things like if you've got an Xbox or a PlayStation, like you look at how far things have come and how real things look like in terms of the graphics and experiences. And you think to yourself, wow, this is amazing. I could feels like I'm really driving this car or I'm at this racetrack and you're experiencing it and from the comfort of your own lounge room. And that, that amazes me. It is about the experience, isn't it? So but you mentioned Snapchat. Are you saying Snapchat is part of the virtual reality piece or it's just an example of how people like to be immersed in Correct. that? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, that's the stat of the week. Nice one. All right. On to our opinion of the week, Craig. And this is a really good article from you about Black Friday buyer's remorse. All right. So we've got a, we've got a couple of opinions of the week. So the first is mine. And we've recorded this just after Thanksgiving weekend, which I know Actually, is, it's Cyber Monday today, isn't it's it? It's Cyber Monday today, yeah. So it's not so big here in Australia, of course, but it's massive in the US, I know. But there's uh, one thing that we have embraced globally, I think, is just this whole Black Friday sales and things like that. Anyway, my gripe or my grumble is that I, and I know you received a similar one, it just seems like for every great offer that we get to take advantage, I've re- I received two that are kind of like, oh, but I already bought that and now it's at a discount. Exactly. And I have this really bad response of buyer's remorse that I shouldn't have bought it. And so I think it's really dangerous actually for companies all to be jumping on this Black Friday thing offering discounts because you're just alienating potentially um, a lot of happy customers. And so in my post, I'm just proposing that if you've got a consumable product or service or something like that, sure, a discount's great because you, you're going to reuse it and you do get it. But if it's a one-off purchase, and especially if it's a big purchase, like I bought something for $1,200 and then I got an offer that was for $200. I was just like, man, that really hurt. Yes. And it's a single purchase. It is. I guess my, because it, it's opinion of the week, my opinion is that brands need to be very careful about just jumping on, whipping out the discount gun and alienating customers. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think one, in having experience with a certain furniture manufacturer where we bought uh, lounges from, they had a range of lounges where they had the price pretty much fixed and their deal was pretty much, if you see this, if this price ever goes under the, under the if, we, if this is ever on sale or it's under the price that you bought at, we will give you the money back. And, and that's how they maintain that product. So it was really interesting because I remember going a couple of years later to the same store and I saw it and I thought it was discounted because I had it. But actually when I went home, I actually looked, the price actually increased and they discounted it to sell it for that particular weekend. But I actually went, oh, okay, cool. Well, I don't feel that hard done by at all. <laughs> but, yeah. but knowing that was there actually made that purchase a lot easier to know that that was that was going to be the best price I'll get it at. You, you know what? And this is something my, uh, my wife did on one of her sites, which I thought was really good. She basically, she did actually offer a discount on a product. And in the in newsletter that went out, she said, if you've already purchased this at full price, contact customer support and we'll give you a refund for the difference. Because yeah. we definitely wanted to avoid that sense of, oh, I, I'm a loyal customer and I paid more. We really wanted exactly. to. Yeah. So I think that's right. 
All right, on to our second one, which is a good comparison how complementary working with an agency can be with your internal marketing team. Yeah, so post from uh, Zoe Palmer. Hi, hi Zoe. I tried to catch up with you at Inbound, didn't catch up. But Zoe's um, agency here, another agency in Sydney, uh, Brand Chemistry. So they've put out a post just on kind of comparing in-house marketing teams to agency marketing teams. I think it's really useful for marketing managers to look at this and not feel that, oh, you have to be one or the other, but a blended complementary approach can work really well. I, I agree. And what she does in this post is really good, just talks about the strengths and weaknesses of each and just, yeah, find the areas where working with an agency with your internal team gives you the maximum benefits. So that's a good one to read. Next, about rented land can be used to your advantage. And this is something on Medium that you discovered. This is a really good insight into how uh, there's a big news site, how they used Facebook during the election to actually use their Facebook page to drive traffic to their website. And they go through their thinking because leading up to they're like, oh, we don't want all our people on Facebook because then we won't. We want them coming to the site. So they the, just the way they approached it by providing regular updates on Facebook that then linked through to their website and they actually drove tons more traffic to their website by embracing Facebook rather than being afraid of it and making it a poor experience. They actually made Facebook's experience really good so much that it prompted traffic through to their Website. We, we don't have time to go through all the details, but we've got a link there, definitely worth reading. Yeah. And finally, it's storytelling like Tesla. And this was actually on the Read Think um, part of Medium. And it was about one of the sessions that was at Inbound, which I was at. And it's about the head of sales at Tesla and how he really goes about giving the story and the why. And one thing I really that stood out to me was that you really understood the why behind what they stood for and believed for and the rest just flowed from it. And I really loved that because I I walked away from that session thinking, wow, nobody that works at Tesla will ever, will ever not know why they're here and what they're here for. And so it's a great read. So I'd encourage you to read. It's actually well written. And I think it really kind of captured the essence of that session yeah. that was at nice one. Inbound. All right, on to our pro tip of the week, Craig, and this is about optimizing web forms. And so I've pointed you guys to a project template that's within HubSpot. And I think one of the key things that I've, it's been highlighted because I've seen this happen with our portal as well, when we, got, when we started off and we got really excited, we built forms for everything. And once we've done that, we've kind of gone, oh, hang on, it's a bit out of control. And we now need to clean it up. So really encourage you guys to go and review all your forms and actually look at top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, and actually consolidate those forms or just have one form for each part of the funnel and use the other features within HubSpot to actually um, push people through different areas and segments and work it out. And also one of the other things I want to highlight was actually using hidden form fields to collect data. So I'll put a link to that. It's a great piece, but it's another way you can use hidden form fields. And we spoke about this a long time ago. But I think it's a great refresher to just go in and actually see whether you're fully utilising the Ferrari you have in your garage. Yeah, really good reminders because the forms are super powerful. So totally agree. Good one. Yeah, and talks about progressive profiling and so on. But I think go in, even pick one form this week and do that. And I think you'll be ahead of the competition. All right, on to our resource of the week, Craig. And this is some great landing page examples. It, say, it says it's a trend, but I would say... Like you rightly pointed out, I think it's more examples. Yeah, I, I love these kind of articles because it's not so much about um, 
yeah, where the, as you say, it's not so much about a trend and where it's going, but it's really about uh, ideas for inspiration for your landing pages. Now, one of the things I've noticed is that there is a trend, I think, towards long-form landing pages uh, for e- uh, for content assets, ebooks, and things like that. I know many brands have used landing pages, say for sign-ups, like Correct. Basecamp is a good example. Yes. But when it comes to ebooks, I've just noticed that the landing page length is a trend. And HubSpot are doing this. We've got a link actually to one offer that HubSpot does. Just as an example, I'm not saying that you want this offer, but I'm just using it as an example of an offer that go to, and that's a long landing page where yes. it talks you through features of the ebook, what you'll get out of it, frequently asked questions, right? And the form is right at the bottom, which is really interesting. So you kind of go through a bit of a story to get to it, to sign up, just to download a PDF. You, you do, Craig, but one really interesting thing is that the main part that's in the view when you first get that landing page is actually a CTA just below, above the fold. The button. And if, yeah, the yeah, button. Yeah. And if you click that, it actually scrolls all the way down yeah. to the form. Yeah. Um, so you can get it quickly. So I think that's a really interesting behavior shift when it comes to landing pages and about what's going on. Yeah. Which I find fascinating. So we're actually starting to build long, longer landing pages now to test them. Yes. And uh, in, when it comes to A-B testing, we're actually now building a short and a long landing page for each content asset and then driving traffic sep- you know, separately to each to measure which converts best and also which converts best for which channel. Yeah. Because we, we, our hypothesis that we're going to test, you know, the test and measure. Correct. <laughs> should be the motto of our show, is, yeah, work out which our we think some channels will yes. um, favour the longer landing page. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a great one. And if you should, if you want to test it out, I encourage you to do that because you can really see a massive change. Either way, you might see a massive change, but it's a great thing to actually test to and understand what people are doing. And I guess a little tip on that is if you're doing that, use something like Hotjar to actually have a look at people's behaviour on that landing page. All right, on to our mobile app of the week, Craig. So there is an app that you said, oh, have you seen this app? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do. And we use it all the time. It's called Stocard, and it's a loyalty card wallet. Why I love it, it gets all these cards out of my wallet and keeps it thin. And basically it's all in your iPhone or your Android device. So we put the links to that. Yeah, so this is nothing to do with marketing in case you're listening and wondering, right? But this is just a handy app to have. And it all goes back. You know why I think this, um, I, why I think apps like this are interesting to, to marketing managers and others because we're going to that mobile first world. You just mentioned you want to get all those cards out of your wallet. Well, most of us actually don't want to even have a wallet anymore. Correct. We just want to have our phone for everything. Yeah, you know, totally off topic here. You know what I found interesting? In Australia, I, use, I almost never have to use a card. Correct. I use my phone for yes. everything, like everything. I pay everything with Apple Pay. In a, in the US, I couldn't pay anything with Apple Pay. I had to really? use a card everywhere. Yeah, I, I can't remember one place where I could use Apple Pay. Wow, that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I don't know why I mentioned that, but anyway, coming back, I want to get rid of my wallet. And he, this app gets all your loyalty cards onto your phone and out of your wallet. So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right, onto our podcast of the week. Alrighty. Now, at the risk of promoting our friends too much, it seems like every episode, every second episode, we either promote John Loomer <laughs> or Moby and the Inbound Buzz podcast. But I couldn't pass up his latest episode of Inbound Buzz uh, is on SEO, which we've um, been excited about the last couple of weeks. He does a real Moby does a really good summary, not only of the talks from Inbound 
but other research, and he's got a bunch of tools and things he uses as well. So recommended listing for any marketing managers if you're not already subscribed to his podcasts. Nice one, Moby. Thank you, Moby. All right, and finally, Craig, onto our quote of the week. This is by Hitten Shah, and he says, We had a value at Kissmetrics. We still do. It's called Be Better Than Yesterday. Think about what you are most focused on and ask yourself every day, am I getting better at that? And if not, ask, what can I do tomorrow to get better? And so we put a link to the article where he has a, has a good um, bit of content about the secret club of admitting you're stuck. <laughs> of admitting you're stuck, actually. <laughs> oh, suck. Sorry. It's a, oh, good, it? it's a good place where he's basically saying, Look, don't try and hide it. Correct. You suck at stuff. You want to get better. So, yeah. Exactly. I love that continual incremental improvement. Yeah, that's right. I think some, I can't remember who said this, but, you know, try and be 1% better every day. I think it's the Kaizen principle, Craig. Nice one. Yes. All right. And finally, onto our logic puzzle. I hope you guys are enjoying the logic puzzle of the week. All right. So, I'll just read it out. Um, here's this week's logic puzzle. The maker does not need it the buyer does not use it, and the user uses it without knowing. What is it? All right, so there you go, logic puzzle. Well, it's been a great episode, Craig. Answer is on the, on the show notes. <laughs> it's been a good episode. Well, if you'd love to leave comments, give us the answer to the logic puzzle and uh, see what's coming up next week. Stay tuned. Join our Facebook group, and you can find the details on hubshots.com. And if you'd like to be part of our WhatsApp group, just let us know, fill out the form on hubshots.com slash WhatsApp and we can join that group. Until next week, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com. All right, Craig, what's the answer? A coffin. You know what? I would have never picked that. But it now makes sense.